You are listening to Original Remake. This is a podcast where we discuss and compare original film and its remake. Or sometimes films with similar concepts, because just like Hollywood, we are that unoriginal. So this being a movie podcast, uh, yeah, let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode, and we are both here uh, as well. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the uh, 1994 um, satire uh, Serial Mom, and also the 2005 crime thriller A History of Violence, uh, which is based, uh, based on a graphic novel of the same name. Uh, Serial Mom... Now, this, this episode, we're not doing an, uh, an actual original and remake. Uh, these two have very similar concepts and some very similar beats, but, uh, one is about a serial killer. The other one's about a, um, I guess a past hitman. Um, Serial Mom stars Kathleen Turner as, uh, Beverly, uh, the mother. You got Ricky Lake and Matthew Lillard, um, as Misty and Chip, the, Son and daughter of Beverly. Uh, Matthew Lillard, not to be uh, mistaken, he is not related to Damian Lillard. Um, Portland Trailblazer, great. And, uh. Thankfully for Damian. Yeah. He did not, he did not get Matthew Lillard's genes for basketball purposes. (laughs) Right. Uh, Eugene Supton, uh, the, the husband is played by Sam Waterston. Um, we got uh, a bunch of cameos from other stars as well. Uh, serial mom. So basically, Beverly, she is this mild-mannered, uh, suburban housewife in Baltimore. And we kind of get flashes throughout the movie, um, you know, I, I guess what kind of started this impulse into killing people. And it, it kind of happens over a span of just a few days. Not, I don't even think an entire week. Um, that's going to be one of the major differences between these two because yeah. history of violence, uh, old Vigo Aragorn, uh, has attempted <laughs> to put that all behind him and, uh, does not kill people just for, you know, minor annoyances like Kathleen Turner here. Yeah. Um, and then let me see after. People start figuring out that she is possibly behind all of these uh, murders. They, she goes to trial uh, where she kind of ends up defending herself and it just kind of becomes a bit of a sensation. You know, uh, people start uh, – well, her, her daughter starts like a, like a fan club slash merchandising uh, deal right outside the courthouse and – um, and then the movie kind of ends with, uh, Suzanne Summers, you know, taking on the role or would be taking on the role of Beverly Supton in a upcoming movie. Not quite as a uh, happy of an ending in a history of violence. The, uh, David Cronenberg adaptation of the graphic novel here, our family, the, the stalls are played by Vigo Mortensen. Uh, Maria Bello is his wife, uh, Edie. And then we have uh, some also, I, I would say, strangely uh, watching these two together, uh, more annoying children than in Serial Mom. I didn't think Ricky Lake and Matthew Lillard could be topped, uh, but that happens here. Um, so because I, I really dislike the <laughs> the, uh, the son in particular, I won't name him. I don't want to pick on this, this <laughs> actor in particular. Um, but it, it's basically about uh, Tom here and a uh, – a small town and he has uh, one 
act of violence with these he's basically these random uh killers that just happen to come through town and what happens is it draws the attention of some previous killers and gangsters that he was involved with in a previous life and uh he has moved away from that tried to get himself a slice of americana uh and for the most part unlike in serial mom uh the town is very supportive of him maybe in denial of of who he is uh, but he he is drawn back into it by his his brother, uh, played by William Hurt, who uh, who insists that he he come and and make amends. And like the title of the film, those amends uh, end in uh, violence. That's how these these brothers settle things. So uh, along the way, we get some uh, very family friendly uh, restaurant ordering uh, techniques from uh, Ed Harris, just <laughs> enjoying a nice cup of coffee while threatening people and. Uh, a great cast of characters who probably would not have been um, that out of the ordinary uh, compared to Kathleen Turner. I think she could have hung out with Ed Harris and William Hurt uh, pretty well. But yeah, yeah, as you said, similar concepts. And what I was interested in when we were kind of uh, setting this up, uh, which will come out the week of Suburbicon, uh, the George Clooney movie, which is kind of similar territory where I guess mild mannered folk um, interlope with some gangsters and violence. Uh, was the response to both of these because they were very mixed. Both films uh, have developed kind of cult following, but upon initial release, I know Serial Mom was a box office bomb, right? And was not. And I don't know if you'd seen it before. I had seen it, part of it as a kid, and did not care for it. Did not really. <laughs> I didn't really understand it. Like you know, the the satire was a bit kind of, I guess, over my head. And this film definitely takes a sledgehammer to that. Um, but I have to say, as an adult, I was now rooting for Kathleen Turner. All of those minor annoyances, uh, there, there was something pleasurable about seeing her kill people just for, you know, not recycling or not rewinding Re- their tapes. Yeah. Rewinding the tapes, I knew that would hit big with uh, a, a lot of us that used to work at uh, yep, the likes of Blockbusters. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I was definitely rooting for Kathleen Turner. Uh, to answer your question, I have seen both of these. Um, uh, I really enjoy History of Violence. My favorite Cronenberg uh, Mortensen collab, I would say, is probably Eastern Promises. Uh, I think that was a huge. Also sub- very family friendly. Very, very. Um, you know, it's got you know penis and fights and gangs, gang sign throwings. That's uh, it's about bringing up baby, right? It's like uh, it's you know, look who's talking. Or people love babies. And baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. with some Russian <laughs> bathhouse violence. <laughs> a little bit. You know, you got to stay clean, right? Um, Serial Mom, I did watch when I was younger. I feel like it was on HBO or something. I didn't watch it a lot, but I remember watching it and kind of liking it, you know, because it was kind of silly. Also, Ricky Lake was on it, and I actually used to watch Ricky Lake as a kid. Um, her and Jenny Jones, I don't know. It was just a Kathleen Turner impulse right now, Peter. Uh, It's a good thing you're in Portland. (laughs) You're admitting you you watched Ricky Lake, so I have to grab a chicken breast now to beat you to death. (laughs) Or uh, a leg, leg of lamb or something. Any meat product, I guess, will do. Yeah. It's got some heft to it. I'll I'll welcome it. I'm a big fan of those. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know why I watched it. It was just something that was on after school. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I did have a lot of aunts and uncles that were a little bit older. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. I couldn't tell you. But, um, yeah, I, I do remember it. I, the, the, the scene that stuck out to me, like all these years was when they're sitting around the dinner table and, um, Misty, she's kind of complaining nobody's happy for her. And Chip's like, I'm so happy I can shit. Uh, because I think they recreated <laughs> that scene on Ricky Lake and, you know, he, obviously he couldn't say that line. 
but that I was stuck with because it didn't make any sense to, to me, even as a kid. I'm like, okay, all right. But well, um, now that you mentioned that, I'm wondering if the reason <laughs> I'd only seen part of this film as a child was um, not maybe my distaste for it, but uh, probably my parents shooing me out of the room because I had forgotten the language. That, I mean, there's a sequence early on uh, where <laughs> Kathy really Turner <laughs> like prank calls a neighbor and just – Every, I mean, it's like a scene from Clerks. It's like every sort of foul word she can throw at this person. It doesn't even have to make sense, really. It's just filth. Uh, so maybe uh, that's probably why I only see have seen part of this film. But uh, as an adult, I found it, uh, you know, I found it to be uh, kind of charming in a way. Like I, I like how willfully ignorant the people are. Even once people, it seems to be like generally accepted that she's killed these people. Like that's not even really up for debate. Like. The town and even her family knows. And I mean, like when they go to to court, you know, they're not wearing like she's innocent. They've got little stickers, little pens that like no gas chamber. It's like that's <laughs> they know she's a psychopath. And I, I find that kind of kind of cool. It's very different from a history of violence where it's it's far more melodramatic as far as the family's reaction to it. And that's not a knock on the family. It's probably more realistic that you'd be a little creeped out that you just saw old dad just kill people like with ease yeah i would say so i mean because with serial mom they um they do kind of drop that little nugget that she might be insane um and i i think that plays a little bit differently with a history of violence where you know everyone uh everyone's account of tom he's always been a really nice guy and uh there's this mistaken identity so so I think uh, with that in mind, um, do you, you like know, the hints better in Serial Mom? Because it's like she's okay with her son watching horror films. She doesn't seem to make a huge deal about the uh, like the porno mags. She just like says, "Hey, you forgot this." Uh, yeah, the, the, like that's very different from from as you said, Tom's nature, which seems very soothing and calm. And I, I think one big moment with his son is he's basically saying this is not how you handle yourself, which is – I don't know if you want to say hypocritical if you're thinking he's turned over a new leaf. But clearly Kathleen Turner as serial mom, she would say handle your business with extreme <laughs> aggression, extreme prejudice. Yeah, I mean what's well, serial mom, the, the hints of her insanity, I, I think it kind of um, – it makes us kind of give it a pass. I, I'm not sure. I mean, because we, we we already kind of opened up the show saying that, like, yeah, you know, all those deaths were kind of earned. <laughs> you know, a bit of a shitty thing to say. But with Viggo Mortensen, you know, we didn't see his past. We only really heard about it. But um, all the deaths that we do see in history of violence, they were all in self-defense, really. You know, he didn't uh, – he, he gave everybody a chance to kind of back off, uh, you know, with this Joey Cusack character and he only killed them because he had to. And they're with, bad people too. They they're, are they're very. They're, they're gangsters, you know. Yeah. Um, but with serial mom, they're all kind of innocent, and they give us like kind of really uh, bad reasons to kill these people. But it's more so with the uh, again kind of playing up that insanity. She only does so kind of like like Charles Manson, right? She's reading a book earlier and. Um, there was a mention of Helter Skelter, I think, by one of the police officers. And uh, from what I understand, Helter Skelter is a song that um, Charles Manson heard, and he believed that the lyrics from the Beatles were telling him to kill people, to start this uh, race war. And so 
I, I, it might be really subtle, but, but I feel that Kathleen Turner or, or Beverly, she only really killed like these individuals because people were telling her to, right? Carl, the boyfriend, stood her up. Uh, Misty says something, oh, he, he needs to die or whatever. And so she kills him. Same thing. Um, the, the teacher, I don't think, I don't think she was actually told. I feel that was more so he was, um, kind of, uh, kind of like talking smack about, you know, her son and saying, um, that she's doing something wrong at home and she takes offense to that. Well, there's one big one, the, uh, the, the garbage men, which doesn't sound natural at all. It's almost like it goes into her head during that conversation. I was wondering, I was like, is she imagining? This because I can't imagine these two garbage men being like, you know what? She deserves to die. That person doesn't recycle <laughs> as they're as they're swigging, you know, small bottles of complimentary booze from her. Uh, I thought like, okay, so we're in her headspace now. This is probably just like her thoughts and her reading of situations because I can't imagine. Which is fine because tonally the film is very broad. You know, it's it's as you said, satire, broad comedy. It doesn't have to be realistic. But yeah, I, when I saw that, I thought like, I don't know if those conversations actually happened or if we're, uh, we're just sort of in her world i i have to disagree with you mike uh we, you think garbage ju- men order people's deaths all the time well, hold on now okay <laughs> working back at the at the movie stores didn't didn't you have conversations like this like oh that motherfucker didn't rewind he, he needs to die you never talked like that uh since we're on the <laughs> maybe, record i'm gonna say no <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not I, out loud but I may I may have wished for uh you know some some bad things uh, to happen to to those people I don't know I don't know if death was necessarily what I jumped to um, sure it was probably more so I, I I hope your copy doesn't play you know something like that right a little bit dialed down yeah yeah slightly dialed down from from murder <laughs> but um, no you're you're right it was um that that was probably the most because they were extremely mad at the woman too like oh she doesn't recycle and somebody needs to kill her but it was it was really um kooky and i think you know just because it, it's a satire it was played that way but uh you, you're right that was a little too on the nose um because she like because i think she even responds you know what i think somebody just might like <laughs> if that doesn't if that is not doesn't clue you into what may happen i don't know what does but uh it's, it's a fun movie though i mean i, yeah. I enjoy, now having actually watched the whole thing and seeing it for the first time as an adult uh i i thought it was you know it was a very twisted version of like uh, pleasantville or something you know it's this okay. this take on suburbia where everything's a little heightened everyone's a little too Good or decent. And I think the the best thing about Serial Mom is actually the part that I was not looking forward to when I realized that we still had some runtime left. Basically, when I didn't know going into it that she was going to be revealed as a killer or people were going to figure it out so quickly. I thought this was going to be something she continue, that was just a you know, dark secret of her personality, these actions she does, and she keeps getting away with it because no one would ever suspect her. No, they actually suspect her pretty quickly because, yeah. you know, she does it in broad daylight, chasing people with scissors and knives. And uh, I I was not looking forward to the courtroom uh, sequence because I was like, well, we've, we've seen sort of courtroom comedies. I mean, you know, we've how many My Cousin Vinny's do you need? You've already got My Cousin Vinny. So it's like you got the gold standard. So it's like I don't I don't know if I want to see like this this goofy – banter back and forth but i actually thought that was pretty funny because the stuff she's pointing out is like you know she's bringing out all of these the basically the witnesses against her who are telling the truth she's bringing out like their 
their worst traits of their personality or maybe secrets they don't reveal because the the one that she prank calls, she basically she manipulates her to being this foul mouth crazy person and serial mom here just looks totally innocent, totally calm and collected. <laughs> and so I did actually enjoy all of those those moments um in in the film. Now I can, on that train of thought, we've not really talked too much about history of violence, but one thing that I've um when I've talked about this film before with other people is how short and jarring the third act of a history of violence is. Because it's, I mean, it's basically he goes, Tom goes on the road to to meet William Hurt, who up to that point is just a voice on the phone. Mm-hmm. And the confrontation is mainly William Hurt talking. I believe he got nominated for this performance, which is as yet another one of those supporting roles that I don't, I don't even know how many minutes of screen time he has. Is it like ten? Is it less? Uh, I, I, I mean, it's just that one scene for sure, and I, I enjoyed him in that scene. Um. Do you feel that that sequence is too brief? Like that we've been building up to it, and it's it's just, I mean, it, it's like a one fight in a room, and then it's it's pretty much done. It's like he, Tom handles his business pretty quickly. I I liked it. I I didn't find it jarring at all. Um, I I think, you know, uh, William Hurt, right? It is William, right? Is, isn't yes. there a John Hurt? Yeah, Will, I, Bill. I, you. you can call him Bill if you want. <laughs> uh, Bill, he's a friend of yours. Um. <laughs> No, I thought he was great. Uh, I, I see what you mean, you know, as far as the third act, I mean, it's, it's even shorter than uh, a third of the movie. It's probably like <laughs> the, the last quarter of the movie. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to call it the third act, isn't it? It's basically just like one little climax. That's right. Like, like there you go. But no, I, I liked that. I thought it was just fine. I mean, even the movie itself is kind of short too. So I, I thought it kind of made sense. Um, because I, I think the movie was really focusing on trying to, I I I think they were trying to get the audience to kind of is he or isn't he for a while. Because I I think even that uh, encounter with Ed Harris is also towards the end, right? That's not even like in the middle of the movie or anything. Because he kind of kills Ed Harris in front of the house, self defense. And then he goes to see his brother. So I think, yeah, that all just happens like at the very end of the movie. Um, so, you, so you think it helps as far as being in the headspace of the the townspeople or his family, where you don't you don't necessarily believe that he's like who they say is. Do you think? Did you when you first watched the film? Did you think that possibly the gangsters were mistaken? Like he was being mistaken for another person entirely? I I did I did and I I think it's just because they kept on coming to him and uh, the way he defends himself. Um, I think the the one part that I really liked watching, but I think is kind of uh, a, a little silly, you know, with the I don't know maybe because it's the title A History of Violence, but I got the sense that maybe they were trying to say like uh, violence kind of runs in the genes. So his son has been bullied like throughout the movie. And then he finally gets a moment where he's at school and he's kind of pushed to the edge. And at this point, his dad has already been revealed as this um, the possible uh, gangster, you know, with ties mm-hmm. from these guys from, you know, the Northeast. And he takes on, was it three, three or four students, three students, three bullies, I think, kicks one of the nuts and then punches the, this other kid. And it, it makes sense because, you know, it's been building up, but... Was that supposed to be like, oh, well, that makes sense. He's his father's son. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I hope it's not like, you know, in the genes. Is, I hope it's not some sort of like latent 
mutant power like he's you know an x-men like a philly gangster x-men <laughs> that he just finally discovered it but i do think certainly that his father being praised uh for handling a situation i mean killing people uh now as you said in self-defense you know he's getting a lot of acclaim uh which ends up hurting him because it puts his face on the news so that's how his brother's able to track him down but i, I do think that his son is probably influenced by that by yeah. the fact that you know his his dad has been sort of this old-fashioned tough guy in this moment and saved the day and here he is getting ridiculed and picked on and he's not i mean he's clearly not his his dad in the sense like he seems a little more artsy you know he's you have the the baseball sequence where it seems to be that he's someone who's never really been good at sports because the bully reacts so so like with such shock that he like catches the ball like i, I don't know it's like a um, it's, it's a moment where it's like, okay, so this guy's never been seen as some sort of physical threat or physical specimen and finally breaks bad. But I thought it was just more, uh, reactionary, kind of like how Tom is. I think Tom, for the most part, he just reacts to things and with violence, as you said, until, until the very, I'm trying to think, even in the very end, that final sequence, he is, he's attacked first physically before he actually does anything to his brother and the goons, right? Mm-hmm, it's not right. like he comes in with a plan to, on how to, uh, disarm or kill these people. He, I mean, he just wanted to call a truce is really what it was. And, and then you got that great moment where like one of the, the cronies comes, comes up behind him, tries to strangle him. And Tom hears like the footsteps and immediately tries to protect his neck. Uh, yeah. I, th- I also but, like how Bill turns his back on it. Like, I'm not going to watch this. Oh, but. yeah. I mean, it's his brother, you know. Uh, so <laughs> it's a, I, big, a stupid move tactically. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> It's just a, a great uh, series of events, you know, of, of, of violence. Um, but to kind of compare it with like a Beverly and Serial Mom, she is really sloppy with her deaths. One's in the middle of the schoolyard, or not quite the schoolyard, but like in the parking, you know, where all the faculty <laughs> members park. Which, did you catch the age of the teacher when they were talking about when he died on TV? No. He's th- 38 years old. Hmm. Uh, that... We're just a few years younger, and he he looked like he was fifty eight. Oh, I, I, this is now we're transitioning into hot or not with with Peter here. He is <laughs> <laughs> he's picking on this poor character actor. Uh, I have to admit that I I didn't focus as much on like I don't even know probably even now I watched it this morning I don't even know if I'd have a mental image of what the teacher looks like mainly because I was just um, focusing on Matthew Lillard's hair. That was the thing that just kept drawing my. Uh, yeah. My eye was that 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 haircut, very unfortunate haircut. I mean, speaking of hair, all these other guys have that split in the middle, you yeah. know, with the bangs too. That's so nineties. Um, it, I, I think that's supposed to be. Well, at, at first, because the first person that you see with that, that that hair was Carl, and I was like, oh yeah, that's. It always reminded me of like douchebags that had that hair. Um, would you consider them douchebags now, or would you just consider them like? Will they be some sort of oddity, some sort of hipster trying to to bring something back? I don't know. I feel like you see somebody with that hair; they're supposed to have like one earring as well. Um, Did you find the history of violence uh, bullies to be convincing? Because I've never found them to be convincing in the slightest. Like uh, they're to me, they they don't look like what I imagine stock bullies to be. Like they could very easily have been the guys getting picked on. Like they, you know, they they look like they're like you cast one of them, the lead bully as a son, I would be like, okay, that makes sense too. And I don't know if that was supposed to be a point. If like if if because it's a very small town, if Cronenberg was saying that basically anybody could anybody is susceptible to violence or mm-hmm. could could take that up. But yeah, they they don't look like um 
you know, this, this is certainly not Paul Walker in Pleasantville where it's like, oh, yeah, he, he would be like the, the star athlete and like, you know, the popular jock. Like he has that look. These guys, not so much. Did you did you think anything about that in our hot or not segment? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, it was fine. It's more believable that anybody can be a bully, um, obviously, with uh, in recent years where it's becoming kind of, it's really sad to say, a little bit uh, more of occurrence or at least uh, in more of the media's eye. Media? No, in the audience's eye. But uh, I feel like, yeah, anybody could be a bully. I mean, they were – wait, was the bully in the sun on opposing teams in, in that baseball game? Yeah, it just, I mean, it was of, just during gym, right? It's, yeah, it's some sort really of like what that, it was. I tell you what, that's a long gym class if you're able to get a baseball game. And <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, well, baseball, actual baseball games are like three hours, aren't they? At least three to four hours. So yeah, that's I mean, that's half your day, right there. So that's uh, a little bit of. I, I think that they're trying to harken back to a certain time in America where it's like you know. It's like if you're playing a sport, you're playing baseball. This is what you know, small town Americana is like, and. Uh, I think that's one element that Serial Mom probably just does better just because it embraces the fact that it's sort of an off-the-wall, goofy comedy. And A History of Violence definitely totally – it walks a pretty delicate balance. I have to admit the first time I watched it, I didn't really care for the film. And it's something that has grown on me. But there were very awkward transitions. The way some of the characters talk to each other is, is very stilted. Like it, it, It's got a strange – vibe to it this film and it's it's definitely you know it's definitely a david cronenberg movie i mean he doesn't he makes strange shit so well so does john uh, waters <laughs> yeah th- this was like john waters this is basically his star wars or titanic right this is probably one of the more i mean like i don't know if it is the most mainstream movie he ever made as far as like why uh, uh hairspray right hairspray was pretty mainstream was it not i don't see i don't know i've never actually seen uh i've never seen either version of of hairspray i've seen both uh so you you can speak to that. Is I mean, is it does it? I'm sure it comes across with less, much less death and carnage than Serial Mom. Oh, absolutely. But the kookiness is right there. I mean, even a uh, crybaby, you know, with Johnny Depp. It's it's a uh, you you get the sense that it's all in the same universe because it's filmed the same way, same tone, and uh, at least similar tone from what I remember. Um, it has been a while. Does all of his movies take place like in Baltimore, the Baltimore area? Is that like I mean, that's his stomping grounds, right? That I don't know for sure. I have one little thing on Crybaby. Uh, another thing when I was a kid was um, I can't remember what the movie was, but we had a drive-in in my hometown, which mm. is pretty cool. Like, so you could you know go just drive up and see movies like that. Because I think at that point in my youth, like the closest movie theater was probably like forty-five minutes away, an hour away. Wow. So having the drive-in there, you were kind of like whatever. They had two screens, and so they would play a double feature on both. And so I would get really excited. You know, my dad or mom, whoever, would take me to the movies. And we were watching, I would always beg to be able to stay up to see two movies because you already, you know, you get two for the price of one. But since it, you have to wait till it gets dark, the drive in, the second movie is starting pretty late, you know, in the summertime. And I remember like begging, begging, please, like, can we, can we stay? And Crybaby was the second feature. And it, probably because I was a little kid and the title and like it was like Johnny Depp, like heartthrob, like that was how it was sort of being. I just remember being so like disgusted. That I was the one that threw the towel at that point. I was just <laughs> like, oh, this was not, this is not worth staying up for. And I don't remember what, you know, I was watching, but it was certainly the first film was probably an action movie I was more into, but a crybaby. What I'm saying is, as a kid, uh, John Waters did not hold much appeal to me then, like anything he was doing, but I have a little bit more appreciation for him now. Still haven't yeah. seen Crybaby though, so I can't say if that's any good or not. 
It's been a while since I've seen that too, but I think Tracy Lords and Ricky Lake were both also in there uh, with cameos. Oh God, what's so he likes to Ricky Lake? Yeah, man, he likes to recycle people. <laughs> I mean, she was also in Hairspray with him. I uh, yeah, maybe I'll get around to that. I don't know, Ricky Lake. I, I'm not the super fan that that you are. Oh, hey, I didn't say I was a fan. I just watched her <laughs> show. It, it just it was on. That's I mean, a super fan. <laughs> Uh, I'm a fan of Ellen. I'll, I'll say that. Also, not very good in movies, as we you know saw yeah, we, we at TV. Well, I mean, she was great uh, as Dory, you know, in both uh, the Finding movies. Never seen it. Don't like children. Don't like fish. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't like children, um, oh god. Speaking of children, yeah, the daughter in A History of Violence. Maybe they should have made her character older because I I was not digging that one. Um, but the two kids, I mean, in uh, Serial Mom, I like because Chip, the, you know, the, the son, he embraces his mother's dark side, uh, being the getaway driver. Uh, what did you think about the, the scene where they go into Scotty's room and he's just like masturbating ferociously? It's, it's kind of off-putting and really weird. It was, uh, did, do you remember that sequence from uh, Ace Ventura 2 when Nature Calls when he's yes. also caught? <laughs> I always held that as like one of the more sort of outlandish, you know, it's Jim Carrey doing his version of it. And he, this, this scene in Serial Mom made that sequence in Ace Ventura when nature calls look very subtle. It made it look like Jim well, Carrey it, was. He goes on forever. I mean, that's like a third <laughs> act of his own, but, um, it's really weird. He gets well, that's what we all cops. aspire to. Right, Peter? I mean, that's, that's the, the sting sort of tantric sex model there, I guess. But uh, yeah, uh, apparently that, mean, it fits. The video is they, actually a real video too. That was something when I was watching this one uh, on the uh, the iPad in the uh, kitchen this morning as uh, I was eating, and uh, that was the only moment I think that my wife caught. She happened to like just glance over, and it was <laughs> the porn. She's like, "What are you watching?" I was like, oh, "It's a movie about a mom, you know. This it's fine." <laughs> the porn, the big old Maybe, I don't Ch- know. Chelsea, what is it? Chelsea something. Um, that's interesting. I'm not familiar with that actress's name, but I'm sure. I'm not either. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that. I, I don't know. That, 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 I think that probably uh, predates our, our interest in probably those type of films. Yeah, it was from the uh, 70s, I, I think I remember seeing. Because, you know, like IMDb always links. Mm-hmm. Was it IMDb? Well, some, it showed the, like, the year that that movie actually came out. So it was an actual f- footage from a movie, um, a pornography movie. Because I, I thought usually movies they kind of just uh, make their own, you know, like a in they just make universe, it up. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, no, John Waters is pulling out some of his childhood favorites. I'm guessing, or uh, probably you know, young man favorites. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think it. I think it, I mean, it's silly. It's over the top, but it's like you know, you get a sex sequence early on between. Kathleen Turner and uh, uh, Sam Waterston here, and it's pretty. It's also over the top. Um, well, now, and then, that, yeah, then in history of violence, we get two sex okay. scenes. Very, I was about to say those yeah. also are kind of. I remember when this film came out that that it's kind of a controversial uh, sequence. I, I there was an interview where the staircase, uh, right? That one. The staircase is the one that's controversial to mm-hmm. uh, audience members, but I remember Cronenberg even saying the first one, which is far more loving. Where uh, Vigo's wife puts on the uh, cheerleader outfit, um, they had some ratings issue um, because there's oral sex performed on a woman, and I, that's actually it's a 69, I think. Yeah, that uh, there's apparently no issues as far as that happening 
being like a man receiving it, but like when a oh, woman wow. does, it's like they were saying that was going to be NC 17s, which is weird because you don't see anything, so I don't see what right. differences it makes. So there's some weird gender politics at play with the MPAA, but the staircase sequence um, is a bit rough itself. There's a little bit of you know, it's it's kind of violent and it. it it's a weird, it's a weird sequence between husband and wife because that's after she's, you know, things have been revealed about him, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It feels I've always read that sequence like she was actually having sex with her husband before, like his previous identity. It's like you know, like she was, it wasn't because it's very different. You know, it's like it's very tender and caring initially, and this thing is very quick and rough and kind of violent. And I, I always thought that it was weird that that was put in there, but I remember seeing that in theaters and people got very uncomfortable during that sequence. I, I got a little uncomfortable myself because I feel with what was going on that, um, I, I felt that she seemed a little bit more into it at the moment. And I feel that she should kind of have like this whole Joey identity like on her mind right like i i felt that's what i mean i think yeah i felt like she was like cheating in a way right i mean it's the same person but it's like she's having some sort of affair that's titillating it's it's a strange yeah. it's a strange moment i mean it, it it ends with her slapping him in the face but i feel with what has been going on in the movie that it should have kind of played out more um as like 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 a uh like like a rape i i think right i mean but she it has some of those vibes i mean there's some of that yeah but yeah, it's, um, I don't, I, I like it. I mean, I, I mean, that's a strange thing to you, say, you but like I, it, I, yes. I, I like, I like the sequence just because I feel like one where this is also a very short movie. Um, I, you know, especially the way it ends, I, I feel, I don't know. I feel it's a little bit of a cop out that we don't see as much reaction from the family. Like it, you get the idea that they're going to bring him back into their life. They're not just going to say, yeah, we don't know who you are anymore. Like you're not the man we thought, so leave us. You're no longer part of the family. That, and I'm not wishing that on the character, but where it ends in silence over the dinner table, yeah, there's not as much. Like clearly in Serial Mom, it's strange to say you get more interactions with the family, and you kind of, as you said, you know more about what they, how they think about their mom now. Like especially the Matthew Lillard character, it seems to kind of think. It's cool. Like there's been something revealed about her that makes her more three dimensional to him. History of violence, they you know they they fade to black before you really really get to the meat of how that family is gonna gonna work with with this this history of his. I feel I feel like they kind of were expecting him. I mean I don't know if it was just convenience for the scene, but when uh, you know Tom comes back to his home, his daughter you know gets a plate from the the, the plate already had utensils along with it so i felt like they were kind of you know set it off to the side just in case he comes back and if he does we'll kind of take it from there so i i think that they're going to try to integrate him back into that family life Here, here's a question for, for both of them which character this the the mom from serial mom or the the dad from history of violence which one do you think is more deserving of remaining part of the family once once their their secret propensity for violence is out in the open this is really tough and i'm not gonna try to um how i feel about either movies i'm not gonna let that affect my my choosing but i'm gonna go with serial mom just because i think they're accepting the fact that she just needs help you know whereas with tom 
he this is a a history that he that nobody has known about for at least 17 years and you know we we kind of see um how his wife progresses in her emotions you know throughout the movie like the one point where the um what's the police officer's name was it Sam or something like that who's very um yeah I don't remember but he's he's very like protective of the family he he is um i uh let's see it is sheriff sam yeah sam, sam okay so he comes he's like look tom i i just got to ask you you know are you this joey guy and then and then ed jumps in and is like look no he's he's told you already and then she breaks down and cries sam leaves and then tom thinks that like oh she finally believes me but no you know she she hits him or whatever and I'm not exactly sure why she was protecting him in that moment. I mean, I guess maybe she's trying to figure things out herself, but it just well, I think I think there is a, that just made me think of something. I think at least in a history of violence, it feels like it's nobody else's business but the families. Like she this says revelation, much, yeah. yeah, needs to be dealt with in house before other people get to chime in. But it's the opposite in Serial Mom. Like Serial Mom. Like it seems like her, the these these killings obviously have affected the whole town. Like everyone has a right to it, and putting it under the spotlight makes them rally more. Like they seem those characters, Ricky Lake, Lillard, they they seem actually totally comfortable. Sam Waterston in the courtroom, like they don't seem like you know that they're they're. I mean they they're acknowledging who she is. Um, and there's a little bit of a disconnect in history of violence where. She's not ready to acknowledge the outside world. Yeah, yeah, he is that guy. You know, she's still got to kind of come to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with the, the immediate family. And I, I mean, it's probably more realistic, but also it's right. attempting to be slightly more realistic than Serial Mom. It's a different genre. Um, I think, I think I tend to agree with you on, I think the mom, it's definitely dramatic because she, she's just outright killing people for these very small, uh, crimes. If you, I mean, you can't really call them crimes, but I there really, were definitely hints. I really you, wanted you really, that the, the, that one lady who took her parking spot because I think we've all been there. <laughs> and, I actually, you know, that's where I I I can agree with her not killing that woman. Uh, or the, starting with the prank phone calls is probably that's that's maybe justice for that. Maybe that's yeah. That's fine. Well, I mean, she, they never made eye contact in that parking lot, so I feel like that woman she didn't know. Like you know, she wasn't doing it purposely to, you know, to to steal Beverly's parking spot. She clearly, never watched an episode of Seinfeld because that was. I think that was the, the entirety of one episode was about this this type of incident where two people at the same time are like going into one parking space. Um, I think I don't know. They're they're both really enjoyable movies um in different ways but yeah if i'm if i'm the family i'm probably more comfortable with kathleen turner um because there's something kind of creepy there's something kind of scary about the fact that tom has been able to hide this right like he's kind of he's kind of dealt with it so i don't think he's you know clearly in that 17 years i don't think he's gonna go off the rails and like kill a bunch of people but i would be a bit unsettled if i was the family member that that never came through that he was able to be this completely different person and then flip a switch and turn that off. And as we've seen, Serial Mom, Kathleen Turner, uh, she's at a certain point, she's not able to control it anymore. It's like this is just who she is. Mm-hmm. So that, that may be more dangerous, but I don't know. I'd be more comfortable that it's like, okay, she's always that person as opposed to Tom who has that weird duality with Joey. 
Right. Yeah. That's, so, that's all I got to say. Well, let's let's get to our, you know, as we said, this is just a sort of a concept remake more than anything else. And there are probably other films that we could have chosen, but these are these are two that really deal with, you know, the family members as well uh, and how the, the sort of small community feels about the characters once they're revealed to have these these violent tendencies. So if we we're going to remake this concept in the future, you know, what, Peter, have you thought of like any particular actors or, you know, what's what's a group of uh, people you'd like to see playing the the family uh, and dealing with this type of situation? Um, I did, did not have any thoughts of this, but somebody that's still kind of younger. I don't know. Do you, what, what did you think about the the casting of Kathleen Turner? I I didn't look to see what her age is, but um, she looked to be I don't know upwards of like her late forties, perhaps. She would have been, let's see, she would have been 40 when this released. So oh, she filmed right? it in her late 30s, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. So that makes it slightly believable that the teacher was 38, I guess? I don't know. Because I think uh, Ricky Lake was like 24 when she filmed this as well. Because I was thinking, would it change anything if we were to cast someone a little bit younger or at least looks younger than what Kathleen Turner looked like in this movie. Um, and then the, the kids. How dare you? Sam even... Watterson seemed very pleased with himself. <laughs> well, I'm sure he was. Um, I mean, that sex scene, right? I mean. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was definitely enjoying himself. Um, but no, what, what if the kids were even younger too? You know, like, uh, middle school or something, you know, does, okay. does, does that change anything? Um, because I, I, now, now I think that adds like a certain element where you're just like, you know, if the kids are accepting it at that young of an age, now you're kind of even questioning them a little bit more. Chip as kind of an, an older teen, you know, working at a video store, uh, into horror type movies, you're just like, oh, okay, he accepts his mom. That's, I, I get that. But what, what if the son was like 13 years old? Now you're kind of like, well, what's going to happen with his son? He's so young. His brain hasn't quite developed yet or something. Um, I don't know. The, the, the actress that I'm thinking of that, um, she might even be that age now, but what about like a Rachel McAdams who seems to be, you know, very wholesome? You know, she can, uh, you know, I'm thinking, I mean, like most of her roles, she plays like somebody nice, right? Like a mild mannered, mm -hmm. uh, person. In I don't know, would this be satirical? I mean, I guess it really doesn't matter, but I, I would like to see her as a, as a mother that goes on a bit of a killing spree here, impulsive. Uh, killing Let her spree. play like a darker role for once. Yeah, yeah, and uh, let's see, a husband is is really it, it could be anybody. Uh, I think casting somebody uh, just as big as Rachel McAdams or anything like that may take away from from that character. So I, I I go with somebody unknown, and maybe the kids can be somebody. You know, why don't you give me um, Richie from It? You know, the the new Richie Wolfhard. <laughs> give me him as as a Chip here in this movie, and the uh, the daughter. I don't know. We we can pick uh, any up and coming actress. Um, you know, if um, the, the brunette, you know, the Rachel McAdams being a brunette, the, the first one that comes to mind is like a Haley Steinfeld. She might be too old at this moment. I'm not sure. She's like, what, early 20s maybe or maybe even 20? Yeah, now? I think she'd but, be fine. I mean, yeah, yeah she could be still she, okay. she just did. She played a high school student last okay. year, the age of 17. So, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. See, so her, let's get uh, the Wolfhard kid and uh, Rachel McAdams and then cast any other father. I cheated a little bit. Um 
but it's kind of on a similar wavelength as Rachel McAdams uh, mm-hmm. to what you're saying. Uh, I I wanted to reunite uh, Viola Davis and Denzel Washington from Fences oh, okay. as Ooh. a couple, and I wanted it to be because uh, in that film, you know, Denzel Washington is the one that has most of the flaws that are revealed in the film as far as with their marriage. He's he's the one that's uh, doing the most wrong. Uh, certainly compared to you know what Viola Davis kind of is had to do to to make that family work so I wanted to flip it I wanted Viola Davis to be the one that's revealed to have some sort of murderous past or violent past or something that pops up again uh, because I, I think Denzel Washington he definitely has a screen presence of like righteousness mm-hmm. even even in something like Training Day which he won the Oscar for he's playing a villain but he's a lot of times he's so charismatic he can kind of convince you that even though he's doing terrible things for his own selfish reasons financially or uh, to cover his tracks you sometimes believe him you're sometimes like well that's a pretty good point i can see why you're doing this Mm -hmm. uh so seeing him have to i don't want to see him play the villain again i don't want to see him trying to cover his tracks i want to see him having to apply that righteousness to protecting his family in the sense like when he discovers as i said viola davis has done something wrong or had some sort of violent interaction seeing him try to protect the family and justify it in a way i think would be really interesting i mean they're two great actors so seeing them um go toe-to-toe again would be would be pleasurable for me and uh i'm just gonna throw in one of my favorites as uh i'm gonna go from another favorite film of mine which would be creed and I'm gonna throw in the children this time. Would be Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson. I think that I, I those love Tessa Thompson. Yeah, uh, I love great. both of them. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's one. But yeah, Denzel Washington is the one I had in my mind to see him playing, you know, a stronger version of the uh, Maria Bello or Sam Waterston character. I think it'd be really interesting to see him react to that revelation about his family and his wife. Yeah, I like that uh, quite a bit. And Viola Davis, um, I would imagine she'd play like a very similar character from, you know, her character of uh, Annalise Keating from How to, How to Get Away with Murder. Um, so I think that'd be that'd be great. Uh, I would I'd definitely be first in line uh, to watch that. It would be very intense, I think, with all those those great actors in a room. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's. I think you know we've come up with some. We just have to write a script now and somehow get it to either Rachel McAdams or Denzel Washington, and we're set. We can give up this podcasting show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if anybody is a freelancing uh, writer, you know, uh, hit us up. You know, maybe we can get a script out to Hollywood and uh, and retire. To, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe somewhere in Baltimore, you know, <laughs> which, by the way, it, it kind of bothered me. And I don't know if this is signs of the time or this is just something – that was just done in the movie, but when it was revealed that Beverly was the the suspect for the killing of the the two older couple over the radio, they give her address as well. Like, is is that what you do? You you give the the, the murderer's address like over the radio like that? Sure, broadcast it out to the world. Everybody's yeah. got a right to know. Well, er- everybody knew who it was anyway. They were like, oh, Beverly. <laughs> then they You're the only one with that the drives a blue station wagon <laughs> right. around here. That goes to the school uh, or by that teacher. Yeah, it, it was actually like. Pretty like if you think about some of the things that happened in the movie, I thought John Waters actually wrote the movie pretty well. I mean, he certainly got the career to back it up. You know, yeah, he's, I think he's in retirement now or semi-retirement, but uh, he's up there. Yeah, yeah, he's up there. I mean, based on his pornography, he's he's definitely up there. He's going way back. For Did that. you say according to his pornography? 
Well, yeah, I mean, he's you know, th- this is not a young man. Like, I mean, look at his choice in <laughs> material. Okay. It, is, it is, it is certainly. I don't know if even retro is the right word for it, but it is, uh, it is vintage porn that he's going for. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, th- I thought you, I thought it was like a slip of the tongue. You meant filmography. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I'm just sticking to the, the – we're doing a movie podcast here, so of course I'm just talking about the pornography. Right. You know, I'm not going to do that much research. Uh, so uh, next time uh, on the show, this is kind of uh, very purposeful. This is one I'm really excited about, but I wanted it to be the following episode to our, our serial mom conversation. Uh, I'm going to do one – it's sort of a throwback uh, that we did to on Podstalgic, one of our first conversations. I finally want to do the Psycho original and remake Ah, and yes. we'll just keep focusing on uh, crazy knife-wielding mothers, and that'll be our Halloween episode as both versions of Psycho. So I'm excited to talk about it and to lose more Twitter followers for it. For- <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I All saw right. that uh, on, on the list, and I couldn't be more excited for that. So um, – Hopefully, you know, if you if you have some hate uh, for for that episode, um, you know, you can go ahead and send it to us uh, without even listening to anything. Because I'm sure there are a lot of people that have negative feelings about the remake of Psycho. We are at Original Remake on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, Peter, where can they follow and interact with you? Well, you mentioned my show, uh, Podstalgic. Um, at the time of this recording, we haven't done it yet, but uh, you will be joining me for Princess Bride. So the listeners that hear this, that episode will already be out. Uh, Princess Bride celebrated its 30th anniversary, and you joined me for that. Uh, so on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Podstalgic. Pretty simple. Um, I welcome all interactions and... And, and hate if you want to give it there too. <laughs> sure. Uh, where can they find you in all your shows? I feel like you're trying to catch up to me here. Yeah, I have too many to mention. So I'll just, I'll just take a, a, a page out of your, your script there and I'll, I'll pimp one. Uh, the Grand Gesture, Grand Gesture Pod on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and the reason I'm going to select that one is because at the time of this recording, we've not yet done it, but by the time you're listening to it, it will be available. Peter will be a guest for uh, the much-beloved and also much-hated, kind of similar to that, that Psycho episode I referred to, for uh, Titanic. And so on The Grand Gesture, we look at romantic gestures in film. And uh, boy, uh, a sinking ship is a pretty big one. So, so I would Peter, say you, so. I, I like yeah, that. You, it's pretty <laughs> Titanic. <laughs> See, you can find more of these these jokes on that episode. So, uh, yeah, Grand Gesture uh, Pod uh, at the time of this release will be on iTunes and all Google Play and all those platforms on Podbean and FollowingFilms.com alongside this podcast. Uh, so, yeah, listen. If you've not tried it out yet, that's the one with Peter. So, I'm assuming you like him at this yeah, point. I hope I, so. My goodness, I don't know. I, I feel there's somebody that's kind of. Um... You know, looking for the episodes without me. You know, you and another guest. But uh, who runs the uh, the grand uh, um, grand gesture uh, Twitter account? It depends on if you like the tweets. Um, Got it. <laughs> ones that are good, I I have tweeted, and the ones that are bad are all Dave. Okay, well, it right, makes sense. Or it's just the same person talking to himself on there, and because it's kind of like the true bromance thing, where there's two of us that have access to it. Uh, which actually is technically true of original remake, but I just admit that Peter does all of the social media stuff. Um, so I'm never on there, but grand gesture is uh, both me and Dave. You just never know, I guess, which one of us is, uh, is tweeting. If it's pretty, if it's a negative tweet, it's probably me. If it's something hateful, I, I did it. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. 
And so, all right, I uh, want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, for those that have been listening for a while, and if you haven't done so, please consider leaving an iTunes review uh, to kind of um, you know give the show a little bit more vis- visibility and to help support our show. So uh, thank you guys again for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Your daddy sounds like a jerk I guess your mama did